Hello, friends. I want to apologize for the lengthy delay in the second episode. You know, life could be cruel sometimes. And I shared in our my first uh, episode just some of the things that I've experienced in my life. and um, But to have your own mortality um, questioned or to be told that you may not long for, for this earth for much longer, it can be very daunting. And uh, this week I was told that I have up to three years to live. Um, if, I, if I get a double lung transplant, then I can live a little bit longer. The, the odds are less than 50% live less than five years. There's the option or the potential that I could live beyond the five years, obviously. Um, but I have other challenges in order to get to that point where I can get the surgery. And uh, it's just been very, um, very hard emotionally for me, as you can imagine. Um, I just feel like it never ends. And I'm sure you've all been there. I'm sure that everybody that may listen to this has had times in their life where they're struggling and they're wondering why me, why does this keep happening? Um, listen, I mean, for me personally, uh, you know, I, I, I turn to God. I mean, I, I do believe that God gives his toughest, toughest soldiers the hardest challenges or the toughest battles. And, um, and I think for me, it just makes me feel safe. God makes me feel safe and he makes me feel um, that I can get through anything and he comforts me. Otherwise, I think I'd be super scared. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't want to die. As somebody that believes in Jesus Christ, for instance, for me, my ultimate goal is to be living with him, is to be with him. But at the same time, we have this dilemma of I don't want to leave the earth yet. I have children and things like that. And though I've been estranged from my children, not because I want to be, but because my ex-wife has kept them from me, manipulated them. Um, I, I miss my, my children terribly. They know that I'm ill. Um, I knew that I was dying, um, but I didn't know how long I had. And my children know, but they have not wanted to be a part of it. They have not wanted to be there for me. And, uh, you know, my, my divorce was very, very hard. It was very uh, tumultuous. Um, it was challenging. There was a lot of bitterness um, from her side. Um, you know, when I left her, I took nothing. I literally, just to close on my back, uh, she drained my bank account uh, the day I left. She changed the lock on the door. She sold all of our, a lot of our marital belongings, all of my parents' stuff, um, all of our marital items, the household items, everything, the furniture, everything she got. Um, I never asked for anything. And... Um, I wanted her and the kids to be comfortable because I wanted at some point to repair the marriage. Uh, but she was very bitter. And as time went on, I listen, I went through some legal challenges at work. I was, I went through a point where um, I was charged with fraud uh, at an organization. Um, 
I believe that I had a uh, an agreement in place with my boss um, to make some purchases, and um, it turned out that he said that I misunderstood him, and we were a Christian organization, and we had worked at an arrangement for me to pay him back or pay it back, and instead uh, they called the police and I was charged, and uh, I agreed, you know, that I had done it, um, but I also said. I believe that I had his blessing and um, in any way I was wrong and I accepted my punishment and um, not much longer after that happened I started working for another organization as an executive director for a social housing platform and uh, I had come to find out that they were misusing their funds um, they had poor credit and I was trying to improve their credit I was trying to um, improved the corporation. In fact, I did. I took it from the red to the black. We moved the organization to a different city. Um, they praised me. I've written letters praising me for my work. Um, and in the end, they charged me with fraud, saying that I stole money from them and, and things like that. And what happened was it turned out that they, the town that I moved the corporation to happened to be the same city that my ex-boss lived in. From the previous company that I was charged with and um, it turned out that he knew somebody that was on my board of directors that lived in town and told him about my past what had happened and in any event it just it turned into this big thing and um, we went to court and when we went to court um, it turned out that my laptop that I used for work it was totally wiped out so I didn't have they didn't have access to any of my emails or anything my cell phone, my work cell phone was totally wiped. So we didn't have access to any of my text messages, my emails. Um, they didn't have access to my calendar or my to-do list or my notes, uh, my agendas on my laptop or my, my cell phone for whatever reason. They said that they took them to a computer place and had them um, vetted and they tried to have somebody, you know, get all the information on it. But apparently they said that it was all blank which made little to no sense. Um, in our executive director, or sorry, in our board reports, we have a financial report and executive director reports. For whatever reason, all of my executive director reports were missing. One main financial report was missing, even though the agenda on the board report dictated that there was a financial report for that month. Uh, and it was circulated. Um, and that's where we're on the board minutes. And the financial coordinator said that she didn't make a financial report for that month. Uh, she said this in court, that we didn't make one for that month because I told her not to. However, it clearly states on the board minutes that there was a financial report circulated that month. And there was one made by her. And she was in attendance. She claimed that she wasn't in attendance, but the board report clearly shows, the board minutes shows that she was in attendance. So for whatever reason, they were manipulating things. I, and I can't figure out why, because I was doing a great job. Um, it was just breaking my heart because I, she was in attendance at this meeting. She said she wasn't. She said, I told her not to do a financial report, which made no sense at all, because it clearly shows that she did one and it was circled. It was circulated at the board meeting. Um, It turned out that after I was terminated, that she was terminated not long after for wrong for, for her work, 
apparently she, you know, they knew that she wasn't doing a good job. Um, and I knew she wasn't, but that never came up in court. Uh, the judge, uh, just kind of threw that out the window. Uh, to me, it just, it made no sense because that was an important factor for me because I wanted, I was trying to show that for whatever reason, they're manipulating something. Um, there was poor communication for sure. There were some things that I could have done differently, but I wasn't stealing from anybody. I mean, how does my black, my laptop, the things that could have exonerated me, my laptop, my cell phone, how are they all white clean? They have no, they, they have their emails and their messages, but they don't have any of mine. How is that even possible? It just made no sense to me. My agenda's gone. You know, my board minutes aren't there for whatever reason in the board reports, things like that. Um, I, I often wondered like, why are these things happening to me? Because I really cared about this corporation. And even like that, I even liked the financial coordinator. I thought she was a nice person. I thought she was lazy. She didn't come to work a lot. She had reasons not to be at the office. Um, but, you know, I worked with her and we tried to make it work as best we could. Um, to me, it made little sense to say that I wasn't at the board meeting when the attendance is taken and it's in the board minutes that they provided, by the way, the prosecution provided that she was in attendance that day and there was a financial report made and it was circulated. Um, yet, for whatever reason, it's not presented in the evidence and they couldn't find it. Uh, to me, um, again, I, uh, anyway, um, the reason I'm saying this is because I've made mistakes in life. And some mistakes I feel like are some things that have happened in my life where they've been thrown at me and or they've been um, manipulated or uh, I've been accused of things that I hadn't done. Do I think that I could have done things better with that corporation? For sure. Could I have had better communication um, with the board of directors? For sure. My board of directors were a bunch of old ladies that really didn't communicate very much. And we communicated via email and text messaging. And I just find it ironic that none of my, none of my correspondence and the time that I was there is available. Um, as an executive director, surely I'm going to have hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of emails and text messages, and they can provide any of them. It just made little sense to me, but the judge didn't think that was, that was important. Um, my, my lawyer argued and said that this is of extreme importance. It could exonerate him. And you have to consider the fact that for whatever reason, any of that evidence isn't available and it's on them. And the judge didn't agree with that. So, um, but in any event, my ex-wife, you know, convinced my children that I'm a crook and I'm a thief and I'm a criminal and I'm not, I worked in nonprofit for 20, 25 years and I've given back and I've never, been stealing from people or taking from people. I had, I just had two back-to-back -back incidents where the first time it was a miscommunication and yeah, I acknowledged that. Um, and it says so right in the court papers, like he agreed with me. Um, and that's why I agreed to my mistake and I took a lesser sentence and it was just, you know, it was probation and I'm embarrassed by it, but it happened. But this time was total, in my opinion, conspiracy because they knew that I found stuff that had happened with the previous executive director and the previous chair of the uh, chair of the corporation who was still on the board, but not as chair anymore. And when I brought that to their attention, that's when all this started happening. And 
now here I am, you know, and I'm, I, I, I do deal with that. And, um, my, my children think that I'm a crook, I'm a thief. And, but my kids aren't, they're not, they're not children anymore. They're teenagers. My son's 18. He'll be 19 in January. My, my first daughter is 16 and my youngest is 14. And the truth is, is we were close. My girls and I were super close. My son and I were, we were close when we were younger. As we got older, you know, like I wanted him to be my best friend, but he just did not like discipline. He didn't want to go to school. Um, I tried to push him. I was there for him, you know, and I was the one that would go to the school and talk to his teachers and get extensions for his deadlines um, in high school so he could submit re- reports and, and assignments that were due that he hadn't handed in. And I would make a schedule with his teachers and I would get on him to do it. And I would offer to help him. I got it, dad. I got it, dad. His mother did nothing about it. You know, um, he was in a knife. He was almost knifed at school and I was the one that was there for him. I coached his ball teams when he was a kid. Like I was always there for my kids and my girls. I was there when my youngest was in the hospital and when she had surgery and I was, she had surgery, and on the same day, my wife was so flabbergasted by it, she couldn't take it, and she passed out on the floor in the hospital. So I'm in the hospital, my wife's in one room, and my daughter's in another. Like, it's not that I wasn't, I was very active in my children's lives, and I love my children dearly. And um, now I'm going through this. I will say that my, my ex-wife and her family manipulated my, my children with money and things like that. And, um, they're, see, they're a Christian family. I married into a Christian family, but my, my father-in-law was a, uh, a, a board member at the church, but he turned out to be a liar and a cheat. He, he cheated on my ex-wife or my ex-mother-in-law and, you know, he was, I want to say he was ousted from the church, but everybody knew who he was. They knew that he was a dishonest man and, um, he didn't repent though. He denied it. Whereas the woman actually acknowledged it. She was from the church as well. And she repented and she tried to heal things with, with people and she has, but everybody kind of looked at him differently. And my ex-mother-in-law worked at a Christian camp as an executive director. Eventually I worked there as well. Um, but she really has no friends because nobody trusts her because she, she does lie and manipulate and, and everybody kind of knows that she's a narcissist and she's kind of a hypocrite and, it's smoke and mirrors in that family. And um, I don't like to talk ill about people, but I'm at the point now where here I'm literally, and I had been sick for quite some time. And I've been, I've been wanting my children to come. I wanted to see my children. I sent them letters. I sent them gifts. I had these blankets made up, a collage for each of them, uh, pictures of them. And then some of the pictures had me and them on it. And I had a poem that I wrote for every single one of them on the blanket, individual, um, personalized, and I heard nothing. I sent that to them with handwritten letters. I've heard nothing. Uh, I've texted them. I've heard nothing. Um, I've asked my, my, my ex-wife doesn't even respond to me. I've talked to my in-laws, asked them to arrange, you know, to get me to talk with my children, nothing. And I've had friends reach out to them, nothing. And, um, the thing is like, they don't even care that I'm going to die. And I think for me, when I, when I finally was told, you know, how much time I had left this week, it's hit me like, what do I have to live for? 
you know? And I, I think for me, it's, it's, we all have to understand that we, we go through challenges in life. I'm not perfect. Uh, when I was married, we used to fight a lot and there was a lot of screaming, but the fighting was about her parents. Um, the fighting was about the fact that, you know, they were intrusive and we weren't happy. And that happens in the marriages, you know, but I loved my children. I was there for them all the time. I cooked for them. I cleaned just as much as the mother did. You know, um, when I left the house, I made sure I saw them as often as I could. And even on my days, I was supposed to have them. It got to the point that their mother wouldn't bring them home in time. She would go away. So if I had them for weekends, she wouldn't bring them back. Or on my nights, she was mysteriously not home with them. And then she would tell my kids that I didn't want to see them, you know, and um, or I would give her money. And then the next day, my kids would call me and say, Dad, can you bring us some food? There's no food in the house. And I'd say, well, I just gave your mom money yesterday. Where is she? She's at Ribfest. She's at Ribfest feeding her face with friends and hanging out and partying. And my kids, who by the, at that time, my son wasn't, I don't even think he was a teenager yet. And she made him stay home all day with two young girls with no food in the house. You know, and I just, it got to the point that everybody's looking at me like I'm some sort of bad guy. And I'm like, it's not my fault the marriage didn't work. It takes two. But admittedly, I did want to try. I wanted to go to counseling. She decided not to go to counseling. You know, um, she started drinking. I would go to pick up the kids from at their home after school at four o'clock and she'd be in her garage, pissed drunk with a wine bottle in her hand sitting there. And I'd be like, this is how the kids are coming home. The kids are coming home to this. And of course I tell her parents and they, you know, they said I'm trying to cause trouble. And I said, no, I just don't think it's right. I don't think the kids coming home to, you know, a mother that's intoxicated is right. And it's like the kids forgot all of this. It's like they forgot what their mother had put them through. Like my son would even say, I would go pick up the kids and their mother would be yelling at me and screaming at me. And I wouldn't even kneel back or talk back. And he would say to them, why are you, you're the one yelling at him. You're the one causing fights. And it's like they forgot all of this. And I don't. I personally think they're, they're holding the whole criminal stuff against me. And listen, the truth is I made mistakes. And um, some mistakes I didn't make. And I have to accept that. And I have to live with that. But at the same time, I think everybody deserves forgiveness. Right? I mean, listen. Um, you know, I, I didn't physically harm anybody. I, I, you know, I, I'm not a pedophile. I don't do that. I was, it wasn't anything like that. Like, I, I realize there's things in life that happen when you can't. You can't look at somebody and say, you know, you're a good person, you know, but I mean, what happened here it had no effect on how, how much I love my children, um, had no effect on how I love others. I mean, I have friends, people, people that support me, they know me, they know my heart. And I guess I'm, I'm saying this, all of this, because I've made mistakes in life. But man, I love my children and I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to, to get them back into my life. And it's like they forgot the totality of, of what's happened with, with their mother and our separation and uh, our, ultimately our divorce. And now she's remarried and um, I've been sick for some time and they know it because before this illness, I had another illness. And um, I didn't know if they, they couldn't handle it or what, but they've never even taken the time to talk to me. And so what I'm trying to tell you is if there's somebody in your life that 
especially your, your, your parent or a family member that you're distant from. Folks, it's not worth it. Life is short. And you just never know when your time is up. I buried both my parents before I was 30. I miss them terribly, but more importantly, I miss the fact that my, my kids never experienced them because they would have been incredible grandparents. You just never, my sister-in-law, my wife's little sister, my ex-wife's little sister, she was killed in a car accident at 19, six months after my mother passed away, eight months after we got married. You just never know when your time is up. Life is so short. And people make mistakes. I think for me, and for anybody that's listening to this that's a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to think about this. But then for you people that aren't believers, you're going to say, well, there you go, hypocrites. This is a family that says they, they pray to, you know, they pray and they live their life through Jesus Christ. And my ex-wife, my ex-mother-in-law was an executive director at a Christian camp. My father-in-law served at church. They said they still go to churches. Yet there's no forgiveness in that family. So if I made mistakes at work, and yeah, I was charged for it, and those are things that I'm dealing with, or I had, I had to deal with. It doesn't make me less of a person. It doesn't make me less of a, of a father because I've never done anything to harm my children. I've always loved them. I've always been there for them. So where, if they're believers in Christ, then where is the forgiveness there? Is it, 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 because to me, it, that's why, and, and I think like they moved out of the city because they don't have friends in, in this area because of how they treat people. And everybody knows that it's smoke and mirrors with them. But I, I just, I wish my children had understood that and could see that um, because I don't want them to turn out like that. But most importantly for me, I have up to three years, so I don't, I didn't think it happened, you know, and I, I don't want to go without, without my children, without healing and, and, and loving them and seeing them and talking with them. And, and, and as I've said to my in-laws, because my ex-wife doesn't talk to me, don't you think it's mentally going to hurt them if I do go and they can't heal this thing with me in the future? Um, guys, the reality is, is life sucks and life happens, but stuff happens, but we can make the best of it too, right? Like you, you constantly grow. It's about, it's about wholeheartedness. It's about growth. It's about love. I'm a believer in Christ. So I believe it's about being Christ-like. If you're not a believer in Christ, then you have to have your own beliefs as to how you continue to grow and how you find your path in life but at the end of the day it's still about love in general it's about forgiveness as long as somebody is willing to ask for forgiveness isn't our job to accept it like if they genuinely ask for forgiveness i'm not talking about people that are trying to manipulate you i'm not trying to i'm not talking about narcissists I'm saying if somebody's genuinely asking for forgiveness, saying they want to better themselves, they'll do anything that they can to make up for it. Shouldn't we just be accepting that? It may not be easy. It doesn't mean you're going to be best friends. 
But in this case, these are my children. I'm their father. Now, my oldest son has gotten to the point that he legally changed his last name from mine. I just found that out. Nobody told me. I found out. I won't say how I found out, but I found out. I questioned him with no response. I questioned my in-laws with no response. How could you, how could you as elders in a church, elders in a Christian organization, think that this is okay? I mean, it's a slap in the face to me, his father, a slap in the face to my father. He legally changed his last name. This is a boy that I've done nothing but support and love. I'm a boy that I was the one that was encouraging through high school. He was failing in high school, not because of me. I was the one that was pushing him. His mother didn't push him. His mother was like, whatever. She let him start doing weed. She let him start smoking and vaping and getting ears pierced and everything else. I didn't want him smoking and doing weed and all that stuff. I wanted him focused on school. He could have been a good baseball player. He chose not to play ball. He's a really good golfer. He chose not to golf. He got into football, but truthfully, he wasn't a good football player. He wasn't very quick on his feet. He's not very strong, and he didn't want to go to practice or work out. He didn't want to lift weights. He had a best friend that was very good and was an all-star. And he saw that, but he didn't want to put in the work because my son was lazy. And I encouraged him. But my, the most important thing for me was school. But when he, like I said, I always took him golfing. And I had pictures of him golfing and playing baseball. And I was always there for him. Um, and he always defended me. And then two and a half years ago, he just, he shut me out and um, I, nobody will tell me why. So nobody will tell me why my kids won't talk to me at all. That's the thing. I don't know the actual reason I'm speculating because um, I've never harmed them in any way. I've never disowned them and I, I'm just, but I, I want you to know that it's important just to love and, and to make decisions that are best for you. But also, guys, you have to... You have to own your story, as I said last time. And owning your story means accepting the truth. And I've accepted the truth. I've made mistakes. And I paid for it legally. I'm paying for it because of my children. And now that I know that I, you know, that I'm dying, I'm, you know, is that karma? Maybe. Um, I'm not mad. I'm sad because I'm afraid that I won't repair things with my children in time. I have other people in my life that I would like to heal things with before I go. I'm a lover of people. I always have been. I've worked in nonprofit for a long time, as I've said, without any problems. I've always been a giver type person. Never really a taker, to be honest with you. And um, I'm just, I'm encouraging everybody to just look in the mirror and, and say, who am I? Who have I wronged? Are there people in my life asking me for forgiveness and I refuse to give it to them? Because if that's the case, then I think I need to forgive them. Not just for me, but for them. It's important because you want to see people grow. What's the point of holding on to bitterness in this world? All it does is drag you down. Being bitter and negative is wasted energy. And it's wasted energy on you. It takes more energy to be bitter and negative than it does to just show love to somebody and kindness. 
But when it comes to family, as I've said, we never know when our time is up. We never know when our last day is going to be. We have to look at it like tomorrow could be our last day. Now listen, folks. As I've said, I've, I've never claimed to be a perfect soul. I've never claimed to say that I've walked on water. Um, I wasn't always the best husband. Like I said, we fought a lot. Um, but I was the one that wanted to ultimately fix a marriage. Yes, I'm the one that left. But I felt like I left for a reason. I think we needed some time. Um, she had an affair. My kids don't even know about that. I think they kind of do. Um, they don't even know the real reasons why I left. Because I never wanted to... The, the difference between me and their mother is I never wanted them to see her in a poor light. But she would do anything she could to paint me in a picture of uh, a villain or a criminal and, or, or a bad person. And I was the opposite. You know, whenever anything happened with our children, when they were sick, or for instance, when my son had the incident where he was almost stabbed, the first thing I did was call her. She's done none of that for me. My, my kid, my son, a year and a half later, had a fight at school and he was taken by police or he had, the police were involved. You know who called me? My ex-father-in-law. She never called me. In fact, at the kids' school, she tried to get my name taken off the records. Why? I was the one that went all, the, I went to all my children's school class trips. She didn't. I was the parent that was involved in the schools. I was the one that was going to my son's teachers, as I said previously. She was very vindictive, and I did none of that. Um, like I said, I took nothing from the house. She got it all, and it still wasn't enough for her. Um, she wanted more money from me, and she wanted money from me. And I said, sure, show me receipts, because when I give you money, it's not going towards the kids of the house. When I give you money, you go away for a weekend, and the kids call me and say that they don't have any food in the house. I just want to know that the money I'm giving you is going towards the kids. You know, do I have that right? Mm, probably not. But at the same time, if I'm giving her money and then the kids are calling me the next day saying they don't have any food, what would your reaction be? I just want to know what's best for my children. And I'm not going to say she's a poor mom. She's, she, I know that she's always loved our children and she's always been a fantastic mother. But she's also made poor choices and she's also done some things that the kids were upset about and it's like they're forgetting about it um guys it takes two right for a marriage to not work for the most most part and for me you know yes is there a principle involved in one of them yeah probably more often than not there's a principle but it does take two ultimately and when you're separating and there's children involved you still got to show the love collectively for the children at the very least. And we didn't do that. And I think I tried really hard. But my kids are at the age now where they can, they know and they're old enough to understand the truth. And they're, they're not even willing to talk to me. They're not willing to see the truth. But now my mortality is in question. Now I know that I won't be here. What do I do? Does anybody have an idea what they would do? 
What would you do today if your children were the same age as mine and you haven't talked to them for two and a half, three years, as, as much as if you tried, you've tried, you're told that you have up to three years to live. How would you react? I'm, I'm heartbroken and I've accepted that I might not talk to them, but I'll do whatever I can to encourage anybody that listens to this to not make the same mistakes that me and my family are making. I don't want to go, I don't want to die with a broken heart. And I think I will if I don't see my children. I know that my, when my mother passed away, my older brother didn't come to see her. And I know that when she passed, part of her heart was broken. She even asked for him and he wouldn't come. Guys, life is too short. Just forgive. Love on one another. Nobody's perfect. I'm not righteous. You're not righteous. My kids aren't righteous. My in-laws and my ex-wife aren't righteous. They all made mistakes. My father-in-law cheated on my mother-in-law before I married and after I married my ex-wife. The very day that my sister-in-law was killed in a car accident was the day that my ex-wife or my ex-mother-in-law was going to tell my father-in-law to move out because she found out he was cheating again. My ex-wife cheated on me. So if none of them are being judged, why am I being judged and punished? If they're forgiven, why am I? Now, my children don't know any of this because I've never told them because I'm not a crap disturber. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a shit disturber. I'm not somebody, I'm not going to tell somebody else's story like that to my children. If they hear this, they're going to hear it now, but I finally decided it's time to get out. But that's what's happened in life. But then, but I'm being judged. For mistakes that I've made in my life. And I haven't even told you everything that's happened in their life. I mean, in that family. There are some illegal stuff that has happened in that family that would just blow your mind. And again, everybody on that side of the family is forgiven, but I'm not. Listen, obviously she and I can't repair our relationship. She's married and moved on. But I could still be the, I could still be the kid's father. We could still be amicable. And I've tried over the years. Folks, life is short, as I've said. We're at a point where this whole world over the last two or three years has gone. Um, I don't even think crazy is the right word. Between COVID and we have, you know, we have monkeypox now and the whole election stuff down in the United States and wars in Ukraine and in the Middle East and, you know, here in Canada, it's just been, you know, with Trudeau and, and, and convoys and, um, oh, it's just, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just hitting the service here. Listen, we've all had our mental health attacked and we can only take so much as human beings you know I mean in some places you go you still have to have a mask and we aren't used to living like this 
and it just seems like chaos is is going to continue. I mean, monkeypox is growing down in the states, and um, you know, there, I can't remember the name of the disease. There's this, there's another illness that that they said is starting to spread in the United States. And um, listen, folks, this world is in in shape right now. Uh, it's 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 in a it's in a it's in a, a, a kerflux, I guess you could say. We're at a point where we're in a new normal. So isn't it best just to love everybody and help everybody through it? Don't we all have enough on our place as it is than to worry about who likes me and who doesn't like me? Or who supports me and who doesn't support me? Who loves me and who doesn't love me? If you're family, that's your blood. Now, my daughter, who posts on uh, on Facebook, you know, she uses her last, my last name, but in brackets uses, you know, their mother's last name beside it. And then she posts something about um, blood doesn't make family, love does. Well, when I sent her a letter, I told her, I, babe, I've never stopped loving you, sweetheart. You're the one that seems to have stopped loving me. I've never stopped loving my children. But she's never talked to me about anything. I don't know what her issues are. She can post something on social media. But she won't even talk to me about any of it. And I could be gone soon. What are you going to do in life when there's somebody in your life that, that is an important figure in your life? You may not be talking to them right now, but they've had important aspects or important parts or they're an important person in your life. For whatever reason, they're a principal. And they're gone. What are you going to do when you can't talk to that person to heal that? Because every one of us, we all have people in our life that we're estranged from. But nine times out of ten, at least, you know, once or twice a week, we think about that person anyway. We may be estranged from them, but we still think about them and, and wonder what they're doing or what if or whatever. And in the back of your head, we all think, one day, you know, or, you know, we all think that there's a possibility that we'll talk at some point. But what if you don't get that one day? Guys, the one day is now. The one day is every day. I love you. I love my children. Kaylee, Kira, Jaden, I love you. My, my little brother, Neil, I love you. You know, listen, I love, I just love you all. And I, I want you, I, I'm starting to love, I'm starting to love me, but it's late in my life now because of everything I've been through. I've never loved myself enough. And that's been part of my problem. Guys, you have to love yourself. I love me, but I don't have a lot of time to do anything about that. But you might. You might have a lot of time. So use that love. Love yourself and love on others and make a difference in this world. Accept their apology. Accept their forgiveness. Love on them. Let them atone for whatever you think that they've done to you. At the very least, 
They may not know why you're upset or the totality of it, so at least have that discussion with them. Hear them out. Maybe there's a reason for why whatever happened, happened. Life isn't always fair. As Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And you don't know what you're going to get. But I can tell you this. You're going to get a life that's not always fair. You're going to get a life that's not always what you wanted. You're going to find a path that you didn't necessarily expect to go down. But if you're kind to people, if you love on others, and if you love yourself, you can make an impact and make a difference in this world. You start showing kindness and love to everybody, and, and you start accepting apologies and forgivenesses and things like that, the more and more people are going to want to be around you and help you through whatever you're going through and be a support around you. When you're throwing out those negative vibes and everything else, all you're doing is building up walls. And those walls are getting taller and thicker. And they're harder to penetrate. That's, prob that's what I did when I was younger. And it took me a long time to, to get to the point where I could break those walls down. See, everybody says, oh, I'll break your walls. No, 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 no. You can't break my walls. I have to break my walls. You can contribute to the feeling of me feeling safer but it's me that has to break the walls down. Let's get to the point where you're breaking your walls down. Get to the point where you're realizing, you know what? Today is today, but there might not be a tomorrow. Thank you guys. And I hope everybody wakes up tomorrow with a smile on their face. I hope you wake up tomorrow and say, let's make today be the best day. And I hope that you do that every day. And I hope you wake up and you say, you know what? I need to forgive this person. But I need to let them know it. Or I need to at least talk to this person. I need to hear them out. Maybe there's an explanation for this. So I just say thank you. God bless you. Stay strong, stay safe. Love yourself. I'll talk to you soon.